Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Happy Indy Rodriguez Day. Happy Quinn Priester Day. Happy Monday, July 17th on the Just Baseball Show. We're going to talk about Trey Cabbage. Happy belated Trey Cabbage Day. Uh, Jack McMullen, RM Layton, Just Baseball Show, as always, presented by BetMGM. Use promo code Just Baseball. Start betting with the king of sports books. Walker Bueller on the trade season, the deadline season, and how that affects a clubhouse. As a young guy, as an old guy, he's never been traded, but he's been on a perennial buyer, so we want to talk uh, through that with him. Uh, And he looked fucking awesome in that Instagram bullpen, so we're going to get into that as well. Yeah, that was a fun one. Uh, The second I saw that video, I I pulled out the old screen record and threw it on our Twitter. I was so amped up, but uh, it was one of those where I'm like excited to ask him about it, but one of those where it just seems like he's fun, like really cutting loose now. Yeah. You know, like where, where he's trusting it, you know, and I, I can imagine there's a process of when you're coming back from, from surgery, especially the second time of like trusting it. And he was, he was trusting it. He had the tennis grunt and everything. Yeah. yeah. He sounded like Carlos Alcaraz as he's throwing that thing, which by the way, what a legend already. Okay. So speaking of which, like I wasn't going to get into it, but thank you for taking me there. The tennis on Sunday morning was awesome. And, and the ladies final was awesome, but Dude, Alcaraz, like, if that was the passing of the torch moment, I don't think it is. I think Novak might win the next, like, four slams, whatever. But if that was the passing of the torch moment, that was fucking great. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. What what Alcaraz is doing to to tennis, I think, is kind of similar in the respect to, like, Tatis and Ellie De La Cruz and baseball, where it's like, I know there's been some phenomenal athletes that have played tennis, 
but it's like we don't we haven't seen athletes like this like guys don't move like that guys don't hit it that hard and run that fast and do like that's what Alcaraz is so it's pretty damn cool um and also I wanted to also highlight happy Trey Cabbage belated Trey Cabbage day yep uh, this guy is gonna save the angel season and I think Otani is gonna look look over you know at first base and look over across the dugout and say and hey, maybe I should stay after seeing Trey Cabbage take a couple BP rounds. Trey Trey Cabbage is what, 27 years old? I think he's 26. Is he 26? Don't age my guy. I'm not trying yeah. to. Trey Cabbage is a very fascinating case study because Joe Adele is a fascinating case study. And Joe Adele has gotten opportunity after opportunity in the big leagues and has really struggled, but has gone down to AAA and been Barry Bonds. For the Salt Lake Bees, <laughs> Trey Cabbage was Barry Bonds without the like failed mission at the big league level. Cabbage, I, I met Cabbage in 2021 when he was in high A with Minnesota. He was a Cedar Rapids colonel. And uh, there, there was a coffee shop in the bottom of my apartment building in Fort Wayne. And he was just slamming a bacon, egg and cheese. And we shot the shit about ball. Couldn't have been a nicer dude. Then I roll up to the ballpark and he hits a tank. And he's been doing that for the last two years. And he overcame, what, a forearm fracture? Dude, it was horrible. I was watching the game. Um, and and he was going off in double A last year. And was kind of, this is a guy that's always been overlooked, but crazy power, doesn't have a position, you know, all that good stuff. And it was was trying to to kind of make a tag at first and, Big dude, Gerard and Canacion ran into him. It was a compound fracture. It was real ugly. So he's come back from that. He's putting up numbers in, in AAA and gets the opportunity with everybody dropping like flies on the Angels team. But dude, Cabbage is just a fun story. Like not a big, not, not a high draft pick, like very overlooked. This dude hit a ball 100, 121 miles per hour last year. Yeah. 121. So like when he runs into one, he runs into one. So he's really fun. He has a cool name. Nice guy by all accounts. I think some of the best power in the entire minor leagues. And now you go to the big leagues. I think he's up there in terms of raw power. So should be fun to watch. Uh, but I, I know that your team in Indianapolis just got a little bit more boring. Yeah, a little bit. I, I'm just thinking about what's happened in the last month or so. And, and the Indianapolis Indians have cycled through Henry Davis, Nick Gonzalez, Jared Triolo, um, now Quinn Priester, Andy Rodriguez, Leover Piguero, I'm missing a couple others like Cal Mitchell got back up. Beto went up. Luis Ortiz. Ortiz. Yeah. Like Roanzi is now in the, in the complex, which sucks. And like, hopefully we see treatment. He's getting the Manoa treatment. He is. And like, that's so brutal, but sticking to the positive points, um, Andy Rodriguez, Leover Piguero up for his second big league game. He had a, a weird COVID situation that got him his major league debut last year. Peggy's still really good. I think the question is impact there. Um, but I only saw him for like, a cup of coffee in triple a. I think it was four games in triple, but Andy, we got to know, go listen yeah. to the call up literally today. And you get 10 minutes with Andy Rodriguez, Quinn Priester, a guy that I got to know. And both those guys have incredible personalities make up through the roof. And they just happen to be really good at baseball. The pirates are not going to win the world series this year, but this product became exponentially more watchable literally overnight oh no doubt especially when you're running austin hedges out there who had a negative two wrc plus over his last 30 um or i think that was just pirates catchers had a negative two wrc plus hedges a big part of that yeah i mean andy can can catch 
I think he was just scraping the surface of what he can do offensively. You, you look at the last you know month, he'd been performing much better. And you mentioned the makeup, you know, the, the, everything that kind of extends beyond the field. Both those guys are going to fit in and, and, and help build a culture there. I mean, Priester is one of the most beloved guys in minor leagues, uh, just with, with the way he carries himself and, and ND not far off. So, um, yeah, it's it's really exciting to be a Pittsburgh Pirate fan right now. And I think people are going to enjoy watching those two and definitely check out our conversation with Andy. You'll you'll come away rooting for the guy as well. A hundred percent. So you get that firsthand experience. If you do want that personal like interaction with with Quinn Priester as well. And like this is going to sound, I guess, uh, like soft and wholesome and not baseball related. But you want to know how much this guy like loves every moment. Like just watch a video of him talking to the media like watch him smile. He's got yeah. this smile that it's like, I'm genuinely really amped to be here. And this is like the consummation of such hard work. And this is the culmination of a dream that I've had for, you know, 22 years at this point, or I mean, 18, it, like two-year-old Quinn was probably not dreaming of, of being a big leaguer. But I mean, that dude is just so happy to be in the spot that he's in. Andy, so happy to be in the spot that he was in you had pirates Twitter clamoring for that guy to get up. And he was like, I've got shit to work on in Indianapolis. And that is the most mature thing you can do. Yeah. I'm rooting so hard for these guys. And yeah, like it, it makes my job a little bit less enjoyable. I'm still going to love it. There are still some, some studs that are in Indy, but dude, like the pirates pirates just got way more watchable for, I think the 100%. everyday baseball fan. hundred percent. We're going to play a game here before we get into the Walker Bueller uh, conversation. And it's going to be yes or no to club options and player options. This is going to be really fun. And as has been really well documented, Aram and I are spot track nerds. Mm -hmm. We love that website and we love contract structure. So are the Phillies going to pick up Scott Kingery's $13 million club <laughs> option? We're going to say yes or no to that. Um, Lance Lynn, is that club option going to be picked up? How about some player options? Is Scherzer going to opt in to 43? We're going to have that conversation. Um, I just got back from Colorado before all that. I just got back from Colorado. My girlfriend and I were binging through The Bear on Hulu. Did you watch The Bear or no? No, no. It's it's cooking related. He's like world-class chef. Yeah. Goes to work at his family's beef spot. When you watch cooking shows, does it make you want to cook more? Absolutely not. I know no. you're pretty like anti-cooking. Like I am, yeah. if I if I have a four-hour window, I will like try and prep something really cool. But you know, like I don't really want to cook from eleven a.m. to three p.m. and then go to a ballpark no. and have a PB and J. That doesn't sound good. No, and that sounds terrible. <laughs> okay, no. I I just needed to get that out there. I was like, I I wonder if like RMC's Top Chef and gets really inspired. It, I, it inspires me to like make enough money to hire a chef eventually one day. Like, yeah, that's or, my dream. Or go try that's like, good restaurants. Which I'll never do. I'll never do. But that's my dream. It's like just pick the right lotto numbers so I can one day do that. Because there's there's no way I'm going to be able to cook like that. Like everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. And like I think all of my abilities were shifted towards like writing or you know things that of different nature that use different parts of your brain. Yeah. When it comes to like art and or food, you know, creation, things like that, no shot. I'm horrible. No. So what you don't have in like smoking meat, you do have in finding low A guys with elite zone contact. Oh, absolutely. That's Got you. That's it. Okay. Let's play club option, player option. Um, we can start with the player options if you want. We're going to walk through like 10 to 15. And honestly, we're going very rapid fire here. And I just want a yes or no. Does this player opt in? 
we're not factoring trades in right now. Some of these guys that we're going to talk about could be traded before this deadline. Don't care about that. And and it gives you something to watch also the rest of this half, because some of these guys are no brainer knows, but there's some guys that based on the way they perform in the second half could sway the direction of this, of these options for, for either side, if it's a player or a club. Do you think Max Scherzer fits into that build? Like, do do you think he's playing to opt out of this deal? Cause I think right now, this cat's opting in to 43.3. Yeah, no, they, there's no way he opts out. I, there's just, it's, it. he's just kind of getting a little bit worse and a little bit worse. Like, I know he's still good, but no one's giving him more than that on the open market now. No, and I don't think anybody's giving him a, a three-year deal. I think no. they're probably giving him a one plus one. And yeah. why not just take one year at 43.3? That's more than double the next highest player option, which is Marcus Stroman at 21. And this is abundantly clear that he is saying no to opting into this player option. He's going to opt out. He's going to go get his bag. Deservedly so. This guy has been pitching out of his mind right now, but he has made very clear that he's someone that knows his worth and he's worth a lot more than $21 million next year. A hundred percent. But he's also made it clear that he wants to stay in Chicago. And I actually loved what he said the other day that basically like, I'm not a believer in, like, oh, you have to to sell all of your pieces, you know, if you're not winning by either you're not X games up, you know, before the deadline. Like, we have some good pieces here. I know Bellinger wants to stay. I want to stay. Like, we can build a winning culture here, uh, and and I want to be here. I, I The one thing that I thought was annoying was I saw fans like, oh, then opt in. Well, it, it doesn't mean that he should, uh, like, sell himself for, for, you know, 60 cents on the dollar. I liked how he went about it. It wasn't obnoxious. It wasn't, you know, rude. It was more like kindly putting the pressure on the Cubs front office, which I thought was cool. That was the only one I'll go that long on, but I really liked what he said. And you, if you want to hear more, like look up that quote. I thought it was really eloquently put by, by Stroman. No, I appreciated that too. And I love that he looped Bellinger into that um, because he, he almost made it like not about himself and it was about no. himself in essence. Yeah. And like, like, this is a good place to play. And we believe in this direction like you can't get mad at him for what he said and he made a really good point too and you know we are prospect huggers quote unquote and we're going very long on Stroman. promise we're going to speed things up but we are prospect huggers like i think we're ready to just plug and play pete pro armstrong in center field if you've got a bellinger at an 800 ops hold on to that guy for dear life yeah yeah and if you got a stroman there too like look at the next few years that those guys could be two of your best players on a playoff team yeah and like Cade Horton can be the five. Cade Horton doesn't need to be the one next year. It's okay. Like Stroman can he's be also the on the development year. list as he's also on the development list as they manage his innings because he's never thrown more than like 60. Exactly. So again, it just kind of shows you the difference here. We're talking about layers. A hundred percent. Michael Conforto at 18 is a really interesting one. He's got an Ooh. OPS at right around 750. Uh, Conforto 13 pumps hitting about 250. 20 or uh, 18 million dollars next year in his age 31 season do you think conforto says yes to that money or do you think he goes and signs a multi-year deal Ooh, that's a really tough one i'd say this is the one of the number one like second half performance determines if he has like a pretty good second half and finishes right around where he is or a little above i think he declines it because you even i think you you get a even a lower aav more guaranteed money I'd, I'd rather have a, a 31 years old. He lost multiple years of his career because of the injuries five-year deal at lower AAV, but you guarantee yourself $60 million. Someone might give him that. I, I'm going to say he says no, but I wouldn't rule anything out. So he's not a good defender, but 
if you're putting up a 750 OPS and you have the pedigree that Conforto does and he's serviceable enough in a corner, I think he can get a four-year deal. Yeah. Four years, 45 is better than one for 18. Yeah. Just is. Yeah. Josh Bell, 16 and a half next year. This guy has been an utter disappointment. This is an easy opt-in to this player. He's holding option. him hostage. He's holding him hostage. That's an opt-in. Manaya is an opt-in as well. $15 million. Yeah, that's easy. What do you think of Ross Stripling at 15? What's he at this year? What's his numbers? Stripling, I, I know, was hurt for a little bit. Ross Stripling, I'm pulling up the exact numbers right now. Stripling, oh, 33 God, he's opting in. He's opting yeah. in. Dude. At 45 innings, a 6-1, he'll opt in. And it was like lack of availability in the early goings. But this guy was a great swingman for Toronto last year. But, hey, man, like you signed this deal after that great deal in Toronto. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. A uh, couple more on the player option front. Andrew Heaney at 13. How do you feel about Heaney at 13? Ooh, that's a really close one. I, mm-hmm. I know Heaney hasn't pitched great, but you know what these guys are getting paid. Um, mm. I think this if, is a big second half. Second half determines it. I, if the Rangers have a good year, he might just opt in just to, to, to be with them one more year and try to pitch it you know, a little bit better. So he's thrown 91 innings. He's got a 4-4-3. He'll be 32 years old. I'm going to say opt out. But I, I wouldn't be surprised either way. I think opt out as well. And I think that this guy, like this kind of build, especially seeing what Eovaldi has done, like Eovaldi is a way better pitcher than Andrew Heaney. I stand firmly on that. But seeing what Eovaldi has done at this point, when he is, you know, feels like been around the league a little bit, I, I think Eovaldi, if he hit the market this year, he'd get a four-year deal. So if yeah. Heaney can get a three-year deal at lower AAV, I, I think he does that. If he can get the Tyler Anderson type contract, like I think yep. he, I think he could get something close to that. Yep. Uh, two more for me. Solaire, easiest opt out ever. Nine million dollars. <laughs> yeah, that guy. That guy. Uh, he 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 put up. Like he kicked things into a different level now that he knew, you know, that that there was money on the table here. He's opting out in two seconds, uh, and I'm interested to see how the Marlins handle it. Last player option. Justin Turner at 13.4. He's got an 836 OPS, but he's 38 years old. Dude, he's one of the hottest hitters in, in, in Major League Baseball right now. Um, Like, he's playing out of his mind. Yeah. You said 13? 13.4. I mean, the, the QO is, what, 18 and change? Yeah. I think someone would give him a, a bigger deal than that. I you really th- do. So – the the magic number in the worst way is 40. You give him a two-year deal after this, if he opts out, you're paying him through his age 40 season. I just feel like, yeah, this is a tough one, but on a one-year deal even, don't you think someone offers him 15, 16, but maybe it's not worth the headache? I don't know. I'm I'm interested. Does he like does he want to change scenery again, you know, at this stage of his career? I'm gonna say. I'm going to say opt in because he, he has a role there too. And there's no one that's going to really push him aside right now. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if he opts out because there's some, if, if is it, you know, agents think that there's enough teams out there that would give him something, then, then maybe that, maybe that happens. But I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say opt out. I got to do a deeper I mean, opt in, excuse me, opt in. Sorry. Got you. Um, I, I'm going to go opt out. Uh, just cause I think like he's the type to test the market and get a one year, $15 million deal to be the, 
veteran presence for a certain team. Um, I, I got to dive deeper into this. He's repped by Vayner Sports. Do you know, is that Gary V? Oh, I hope not. I don't think it is, but it might There's no be. way. There's no way. I don't I think I... so either. Like they've got, it's a big agency, like Sauce Gardner, Bo Bichette. Like they cross sports. They're, they're huge. I, it's Gary Vaynerchuk is Gary V's name. So I, I just hope it's not Gary V. <laughs> yeah, um, so. All right. Run us through some club options here before we get all to right. Walker Couple. I'll start with the no-brainers um, in terms of like probably nose. Actually, no, we'll, we'll just kind of bounce around. No. Joey Votto, though, on a 20 million club. No. 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 Uh, even though it's been nice to kind of see him, you know, perform a little bit here. Charlie Morton on 20. Yes. That's that's a club picks that up. That dude has been so ridiculously reliable. I know. Yeah, I'm with you. 20 million. I, even if he's a step down, you're you're not you're not gonna be pissed about that money. Um <laughs> Mike Mustakis, club option at 20 million. Respectfully, no. Lance Lynn, club option at 18. Okay, so no, um, he's a he's an incredibly cheap rental. I wonder what happens because, like, hey, recency is everything, man. I wonder what happens if he goes to a new team, has new life injected into him, and eighteen looks like you know pennies for for a good Lance Lynn that's throwing in the postseason. Yeah, I think he'd have to have a really wild stretch of like. Of just dominating. And we saw it. He was a Cy Young candidate in 21. Dude, he, struck, he had a 16 strikeout outing. You can't do that by yeah, accident. He just year. did that this year. Yeah. I wouldn't rule it out, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I think ultimately that's that's going to get declined by whoever acquires him. Yeah. Um, Herman Marquez at 16. He's he's hurt. So I, you know, I, I, you never know with the Rockies though, bro. Yeah. It's 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 a shitty scenario because Marquez would be due back around the All Star break next year, and that was a TJ thing. And Marquez, like, I think the Rockies need to hold on to Herman Marquez for dear life. Yeah. I think yeah. they could have an honest conversation with Marquez and say, "Hey, we want to make you a Rocky for the rest of your career. Opt out of this. We'll give you a backloaded deal where we're paying you." I don't know, five next year and you throw half the year and it quickly escalates from there. So I could see a unique contract structure coming Marquez's way. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And and the Rockies just, it would be classic. The Rocky, yeah. Nick Martinez, who went to Fordham, by the way? I didn't even know that. I had no um, idea. 16 million. Like, like no, but maybe like my my gut just says no yeah it, apparently if if they decline the options convert to eight million dollar player options i guess that was kind of like an insurance policy in case he was so terrible that you know if they decline it he can still you know opt in and then still get eight million that's unique but he's in between there where club would decline 16 he would decline eight so it's technically a mutual option and and he'd hit the open market how has Martinez been like every time I check in, he's like, I feel like he's just a fours guy. Yeah. I just don't think you swallow your pride and give him 16 for next year. Like, I, I think this is your opportunity to kind of take a stance and and he's, yeah, he's got a three, eight and he's made 34 of his 38 appearances have been out of the bowl. Yeah. I'm not paying 16 for a reliever with a high threes, especially with their it. payroll. Yeah. No, I mean, and- cause it's it, it, when you factor in the penalties and stuff for being over, over, you know, that the threshold, it's going to be, 22 million or whatever it is. Right. And, and he got 
what he got this deal ahead of this year it was one year 10 team options the next yeah two years it was one of the weirder structured that was that was a fun like spa track dive and, and it was somewhat big money for yeah. nick Martinez. oh we were shocked yeah we were shocked but, he, I, he's, but he's held his end of the bargain i feel like he has he's been like i don't want to say he's been a 10 million dollar pitcher this year but i guess he has in this market for the san diego padres because they throw last year he was for sure last year he definitely was last year he he earned this one plus two deal this year. I I wonder how AJ Preller goes about this because yeah. you're right. He is totally a tweener between 16 and eight. And that might create an open market scenario for Nick Martinez. A few more really funny ones. And, and I honestly really good ones as well. Um, this one's not, not funny. Actually. I'm actually very curious what I, I, I assume they picked this up. Liam Hendricks at 15. You're just p- picking that up for so many reasons. Right? Yeah. Have to. That's a heart and soul of your team. Guy works his ass off. An incredible story. And when he's on the mound, he's worth fifteen million. He's one the of the funny best one is Tim. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, what, what'd you say? No, he's one of the best closers in baseball. When he's a hundred percent. Tim Anderson's a pretty funny one to me because fourteen million. When if you if you told me that like if if we looked at this option two years ago, we'd be like, oh, what a steal. This might be a conversation. I think ultimately you pick it up because you can move him as a rental in the second half with yeah. 7 million left on his deal or whatever it would be yeah, and get something. But man, like, do you think there's any chance it doesn't get picked up? No, I don't think so. Because if he is a white sock at season's end, that's kind of an optics nightmare. If you decline yeah. that club option. Um, yeah. If you ask me on April one, absolutely. Yes. They pick it up. If you ask me on May one, absolutely. Yes. If you ask me on June one, absolutely. Yes. July one, Probably July 16. Probably (laughs) let like, let's check in again on August 1st. No, I agree. And I think ultimately it does, does get uh, picked up for for the reasons you said Scott Kingery at 13 million with the Phillies. Absolutely. Future of the franchise. He and JP Crawford. (laughs) Uh, That a good old pre-arb deal. Paul DeYoung at 12 and a half is a no. Mark Canna at 12 is looking like an easy. No, really? You think easy? No, I, I think so. Right now, I mean, everything just is coming up shit for the New York Mets right now. 12 for a 730 OPS guy. Uh, yeah, he's doing a little better than I thought. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, and we know like Mark Canna is more than, you know, just like the numbers, I guess. Like he's, I don't know. I feel like he's one of the level-headed veteran presences on that New yeah. York Mets team. I think that's a good guy to keep around, honestly. I think that's a yes for me. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a really close one. Second half performance. It is a 2 million, uh, you know, kicker if, if, for the buyout. So, uh, you know, that does probably influence a little bit, but I, I don't think uncle Steve cares about that. No. Corey Kluber, Johnny Cueto, no brainer knows. Um, and then to wrap up, I know I had one more here. That was really interesting. Joe Kelly at nine, five. He looks solid, but no, <laughs> like he looks good, but no. At nine. Uh-huh. Nine for reliever. I think we hit this weird spot over the last couple of years where relievers were just making way too much fucking money. Like Rafael yeah. Montero signing that deal was nuts. No, I agree. Joe Kelly getting a two year, $17.5 million deal. That was nuts. I agree. No, I agree. So, I, last one for you. Sorry. Yeah. Max Kepler at 10. No, I think you have way too many youth bats, young bats to to keep Kepler in the fold. Honestly, like I'm thinking get Kepler out of the lineup every day now, and this is an easy way to do that. They should trade him. 
I, they like, should. Honestly, if, if you plan on on declining that contract, he, he's not playing much of a part on that team. Joey Gallo is just fully a better version of what oh, we yeah. thought Max Kepler was going to be for them, which is crazy. Oh. Move that guy. Get Go get a lower-level lottery ticket. Oh, yeah. No, I'm with you. All That's right. all I got. We good? Yeah. Let's talk to Walker Bueller about trade shit. You in? I'm in. Here he is. Let's sip. Let's chat with Walker Bueller, who uh, threw a kick-ass Instagram bullpen, which was awesome <laughs> to monitor. Um, first question for you would be, how you feeling? Um, but w- we're going to get to that. How was the All-Star break, man? I know you got back home, and it was yeah. uh, probably... I don't know, weirdly relaxing in a way. I'm sure it's almost like, hey, a hard reset moment when you're, you know, playing. But this year was probably a really unique one. Yeah. Uh, got to try and find the advantages and being hurt and whatnot. So got to go home, kind of have a, a normal all-star break, uh, play a little golf, play to my member member. So it was a good, we, had a, we had a good week back home. And uh, now it's kind of the, the final stretches of, of this thing. And uh got one or two more thing you know fun things we're gonna do but then it's ready to roll it, it seems like it's it's a no-brainer honor for you know all of these all of these players to to make the all-star game but there's also this level of like okay if you don't make it is there like a silver lining of having some more free time i, I know everybody <laughs> wants to be an all-star but like is there some kind of silver lining when that happens um yeah i mean it, as weird as this is to say like my rookie year was the only year that I've been healthy and and had an all-star break because I made it in 19, COVID in 20, made it in 21, got hurt last year. So uh, it's been a little while since I kind of got to take a little breather off from it. But, you know, I know guys, even guys that make the all-star team every year set up a nice little vacation for themselves most of the time, just as kind of uh, an insurance play, I guess. But yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool week regardless of, of what happens just because we were playing so many games in, in so little time and get to go home and hang out with your family and, and not go to the ballpark every single day. So yeah. that's a, it's a good deal. Those vacations, is it like a Cabo or a Cancun and sleep on a beach chair for 12 hours or, or is it that's like, a, that's it? Yeah. I think, I mean, for me, it'll probably always just be go home, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a lot of guys end up in Cabo, I think. Got you. Just like uh, what when you get bounced from the NBA playoffs, you go to you go yeah. to Cabo and you see everybody there. It's the MLB All Star yeah. too. It times up well. What's going on here? You got you got a facial hair thing going. Oh, it's, like it's full going. I don't know why or how, but it uh, it's pretty. I mean, for me, that's pretty serious. Like you see, I got a little black eye. What that happened? From a, a bad, a poorly timed game of catch while I was at home. It's tough with who. Um, it was really a battle against myself and and what I may have consumed before I played catch. So that you. happens. That happens rarely, but it does happen. <laughs> the, just, the just bull- sometimes you whiff. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, I, I'm sure you didn't consume much before the bullpen. I'm sure it was water and Gatorade. No. Yeah, it looked, it looked awesome, and like we didn't get you know the the view of the catcher. We didn't get anything like that. We got the side view and we heard the pop in that, you know, indoor spot that you were at. And like that was one of those pens that I'm sure got Dodger fans, pitching fans, baseball fans excited for what's to come. Because Arm brought up a great point. I know he wants to ask some follow ups about this, but it looked like you were almost all systems go in that and you weren't holding much back. So I guess how do you feel right now is the overarching question we can dive deeper Uh into 
No, I feel good. I mean, typically right now I'm throwing two bullpens a week and with everything we had on going at home, I threw threw that one, felt good about it and get back into it this week. But yeah, it's kind of interesting. I felt like I looked like I was throwing really hard. It was like 93 and a half good. It's just a weird process where you're like, well, if it's as good, like if my body looks like it does, I normally throw 96. Is it ever going to be back there? But I feel good. And uh, yeah, this week was probably the first one where it was like somewhat normal feeling. And uh, yeah, that was actually, that was at Kentucky's facility, their new facility over there, but I was wearing my old bandy cleats. So I had to, had to show them, you know, understand no, you, to mark little, your you pissed on the fire more. hydrant yeah a little bit but no they they're they take really good care of me over there at uk if i need to do stuff like that and um uh, yeah it's a it's a pretty cool facility they got over there so that with, with that like side video you could really see you were talking about how that's when you make those moves like that's usually 96 but yeah. on the positive end of that like you could see you kind of cutting loose and, and letting yeah. it rip have you been in the letting it rip stage for a little bit now, or did you feel like that was one of the first bullpens where you could kind of go close to to max effort and trust it and feel okay? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think there's some sort of intensity buildup, right, that you have to find a way to do. And, uh, you know, part of the tough thing about being hurt relative to being healthy, like in spring training, you've got 40 pitchers around you and there's everybody's standing watching each other and you kind of can get that adrenaline. And early in the season or early in throwing programs, I feel is when, my arm feels the most finicky, right? So they had some of their young players over there. And um, I had a kid that I know pretty well over there stand in. And so I think you kind of get a little bit more of that adrenaline and and stuff kind of starts moving better, but starts feeling better too. So um, so we got a couple more bullpens to go, probably six, I would think, four to six before I face a hitter. But um, that one definitely kind of felt a little bit different. Have you started mixing breaking balls in or, or is it still fastball exclusive? It's pretty. So I, I've always liked to throw a lot of like half slope pitches. So I'll throw pitches from halfway up the mound. So I'm throwing breaking balls on the half slope, but not on the full slope yet. Last, last like recovery related question. Um, I, I see like it's different for every player when it comes to, to the Tommy John and, and the velocity coming back or the command coming back and things like that. And a lot of people end up coming back, throwing, throwing harder. Uh, but what do they kind of tell you in terms of like when you can expect that velocity to come all the way back? Or is it kind of just a wait and see, feel it out kind of thing? Like what, what is, what do they kind of tell yeah, you I to mean, keep I, your mind right? Listen, I think it's, I think it's a case by case guy by guy thing. I think yeah. one of the big things on rehab is we want to feel so good, right? We've just gone through now almost 11 months of rehab or what 10 months of rehab, whatever it is. And you, you don't want it to hurt. Right. So what you end up, what I think happens to guys a lot of times is, you know, when, when everything's right and you're pitching during a season, like it doesn't feel like you're pushing because your body just knows what it's doing. Yeah. When you take six, seven, eight months off from throwing, like you got to kind of re relearn how to push hard and how to try and throw hard and how to do all these certain things. And so I think the guys that have less fear are the ones that come back kind of better or throwing harder. Right. But um, it takes a little bit of that, like, well, it's already been hurt once, like, you know, for lack of like, fuck it, like, let's go. Yeah. And so I think from my first surgery, I think that's how I really approached it. And I mean, I think my first live BP back from my first time, I threw a ball harder than I ever had in any game. 
which is kind of wild. So the first hitter I faced with her, I was like 96, 98. Everybody was so mad at me. But that was kind of how I'd been approaching that rehab. And the kind of proof of that was in the pudding, I guess. So just trying to grab stuff like that and, and kind of hold on to it for this time. So that that's always something that I've been fascinated by because you see a guy come back and, hey, first pitch is either like, I don't know, first outing worth of fastballs is going to tell you a lot about how a guy feels, right? And yeah. if that's a guy that sat 95 before missing a year and a half and he's back and he's sitting, you know, 90 to 92, yep. you know, maybe there's cause for concern. Maybe he's up because he feels juiced, like what you're talking about yep. here. And I've heard almost like negative feedback in that regard. It's like, hey, we don't want to see these guys coming back chucking 98, but that might be just what you want to feel at that time, right? You're yeah, I think it's, a, it's the timing of it, right? You don't want your second day of playing catch to be throwing 95, right? But you kind of want to see a steady – I mean, I think it's more important to keep, like, how you're recovering the same, right? Like, if I'm performing better and better and better, as long as I'm recovering the same, the assumption is that things are going kind of as they should and – um, you know, I think I'm all going to be, hopefully this is the last time, obviously I have to do with, deal with this stuff, but, you know, I think for me trying to kind of push is kind of how I've always played and learned how to play and, and whatever. And, um, uh, maybe a little scary for, for those in charge of my rehab, but, um, uh, you know, I think I, you know, I still have goals to be really good. I'm not trying to just get healthy and get back and collect the check. I, I want to be a, a good pitcher, right? So, I only know one way to do that. And when you kind of clear me to go throw or go be myself, like that's, I think that's the only thing I really know how to do. Yeah. Um, I, I want to jump into second half now and, and almost the feelings that are within a clubhouse after the all-star break, because you come back and you've been on a lot of really good teams that I think are coming back from the all-star break and they're thinking, okay, we have the chance to buy and improve rosters and also make some serious noise in the postseason. And yep. I think this is when you really start to get the trade rumblings, right? With with the deadline about two weeks out, and you know we, we see names uh, as small as you know rentals for you know like three million dollars. We see names as big as Otani being floated right yeah. now. But I, I'm just curious from like the player and the clubhouse perspective, how has your attitude as like a member of a breathing clubhouse kind of changed surrounding the deadline? Um. I mean, I, you know, every year that, that I've been involved in, we've at least stayed put or added, right. We've never fire sailed or anything. So I don't, I don't know what that's that side of it is like, but I do, you know, every trade line trade deadline you have, I feel like it's like a month that you kind of start hearing all this stuff. And we start going to front office and say, what are we doing? Who are we talking to? Who's out there? What do we got? And you know, I remember one year we were in Colorado and we ended up not doing a whole lot. We went and got a couple of relievers, but it, it wasn't like, you know, you think about the people we've traded for in the past four years. It's kind of insane, right? You trade Turner, Scherzer, Machado. I'm missing you, Darvish. It's just like we were kind of going to get everything. It was weirder for me in 2017 when I was in AAA at the trade deadline. Yeah, That was kind of the most nerve-wracking one. I'd heard a lot of stuff about uh, me going to Texas for Darvish. Obviously, that didn't come to fruition, but I think at some point somebody told me there was talk of a one-for-one -for, -one for me for Darvish, and that kind of freaked me out back in the day. <laughs> yeah. 
how do you how do you manage that? Because you know you you want to have an idea of what's going on, but you also right. want to keep yourself sane. Uh, do you yeah. try to unplug from that? Yeah, I mean, it was a it's a weird time, especially when you're a prospect or you know an, a young guy. Like, it's just hard because you don't really know what footing you have. But then now the flip side of that, obviously, this year, hopefully that you know I I, I don't think I'm going to get traded at this deadline, right? But then you see guys that are kind of that six, seven years in the big leagues that are good players and they don't know, they can't tell their wives and their kids where they're going to be in a month. It's just a weird, it's a weird deal. And and I think kind of underappreciated how important when you're an older player like that, having that no trade stuff and all that, like everyone thinks it's kind of ticky tacky. Like if you've got four kids, like you probably don't want to move, you know, in August and then try and get them back into school in a different city, you know, there's just, there's a lot that goes into it. And um, the alternative, I remember, you know, Scherzer and those guys talking, the alternative usually is like, you're just away from your family because your whole life is set up somewhere. And then all of a sudden you're in LA and it's like, Oh, school's starting back and your kids are going to school. It's just like a, it's a weird deal. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a fun time to kind of see, kind of see where it all shakes out. Obviously I think, Probably the most famous one I remember is CC Sabathia when he got traded over and to Milwaukee, I think, and that run he made. And, yeah. you know, that can kind of reinvigorate a clubhouse in a way. But I think our front office has done a really good job of, of checking in on the person too and, and seeing how they'll fit into hopefully what's a pretty successful kind of nucleus already. Right. So, um, you know, we've seen them not work out great and we've seen them work out awesome. So we'll just see what happens, I guess. I want to revisit the human element in a moment, but I I think you bring up a really interesting point because, you know, you, you see some trades that are made quote unquote between the margins and like, they're not the big fish. Jock Peterson was acquired by Atlanta for Bryce ball. Who's now out of the Cubs system at this point. Like that was a move in mid to late July that made a ton of sense for the clubhouse dynamic in Atlanta. And I know that, you know, Jock, we've had that conversation, but, you know, is there a conversation with with you guys and the rest of the pitching staff when when you know Andrew Friedman and the, and the rest of the front office is you know IDing maybe a starting pitcher to add to the fold or you know just somebody like hey this guy is going to be a teammate for two months right is he going to fit in well is that a conversation that he'll have with you guys Yeah, I mean, I think the hard part, not the hard part, the interesting thing is in LA at least earlier in my career we had so many homegrown players and guys that all came up together that we could have guesses on we won't like this guy or we like this guy but not many guys have played with them right but you get on some of these teams and go no like you know some i don't know who in atlanta may have played with jock right but no jock's awesome like that worked like so that's where it kind of got a little weird for you don't really know who these guys are much outside of kirsch meeting them in an all-star game right and his read like that's but that was it. That was kind of what it was for a while. And whoever else had been, that's like the only chance you get to really meet these guys. Or if you've gone on, you know, a Nike trip or something, but it's not like you, you know, we all kind of grew up together in the game, but you just don't know a lot of these guys. And so, I, I mean, I think it's hugely important, especially where with our team, we've been so homegrown um, and we've probably been the most aggressive at the trade deadline. So I think it's an advantage for us because the assumption is that our clubhouse can kind of withstand uh, 
I'm not saying it's anything bad or anybody that we've gotten. It's just like, it's a new thing. You're trying to relearn sometimes two, three, four guys that are going to be huge parts of your team at the most crucial part of the season. Right. And so kind of the old, like figure out who you want in your bunker with you. Right. And so when it happens this late in the year, it's kind of hard, but uh, as I said, we've kind of seen, how good those guys can be when they get in a, a new environment or uh, have been on a, a bad team or a, a middling team and, you know, come to our team at the head of a division with, you know, one goal kind of thing. It can kind of change their perspective a little bit too. And, and you start seeing guys really start to perform. Can you take us through the, maybe just the way that uh, the, some players may approach the deadline because especially in a spot where you know you're you're most likely not getting moved you would just want to see your team get better and you know yeah. your team's probably going to do some fun things are, are you kind of surveying the same way fans do on twitter or are you just kind of waiting for you know maybe an agent to let you know what's going on like what's the deadline yeah. like for for an established player um I still think I've, I've, it's hard for me to hear you say established player that's still such a weird thing for me but I have gone through this thing a couple of times I guess you do talk to your agent, especially I'm with Excel and we have a lot of players kind of around. And so you'll kind of, I'll call Casey probably once in the trade deadline and like, Hey, what are you hearing? What's real? There's a lot of this stuff is smoke screens. that goes kind of all over the place. And yeah. Um, so then we'll go to our agents and then I will go to the front office and ask them what's real. What do we actually, you know, a lot of times there's been a lot of Dodgers linked to that. The moment I saw it and asked, or front office, it's like, yeah, I don't, no, we're not going. Like, but you know, you're trying to create value and leverage and stuff like that. So I get what they're doing, and you can also uh, link the Dodgers to any star, and it, it, right. it'll, it'll work, <laughs> right? And it's like, where does that come from? Who actually, you know, whatever. But um, it's interesting for me because a lot of the guys that are so you know rentals this year are guys that I kind of came up like maybe a a few months or a year after that I know well, like Lucas Giolito, I know pretty well. So it's different when it's like, you know, a couple of years back, it's like, I didn't know any of these people personally at all. They're like the guys that I grew up watching, we're going to go trade for them. Right. But now it's like guys that I know they were drafted the same year as me or, you know, same year as high school of me, whatever. We're all kind of the same group. And um, so I think this year is probably going to be the most exciting for me, even though I'm not really a part of it yet. Uh, but just knowing like certain guys like that could be moved and, and knowing our team does make big moves. It's, it's pretty exciting. So one of our favorite Twitter phrases is shown interest in this yeah. team is reportedly shown interest in this guy um, because it means nothing. And we right. like it in free agency too, where it's like um, apparently, you know, so-and-so is interested in, in Shohei Otani. Yes. Same. Yeah. We too are interested in Shohei Otani. Um, <laughs> is there like any you know, like buzzword or phrase that you hear and you're just like, come on now, like that has zero validity to it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, checked in on, you'll see. <laughs> yeah, checked in on. It, you know, you'd kind of – I I only think any of this stuff kind of – not that it is getting serious just because you see it on Twitter, but when they start talking about, like, the ranges of prospects is when I kind of start thinking, oh, it's going to be three top 100 guys or, you know, like Otani, that's, I've seen that online. It's, like, going to start with three top 100 prospects. It's like, yeah, like, he's probably – he's probably the best baseball player in the world, but if you get him for two months, like, is that worth up to 21 years of service of three yeah. good players? Like, 
the the pricing on it has gotten pretty wild. And, and you, you know, even in Washington, the package we gave Washington for Scherz and Trey, like Josiah Gray made the all-star team this year. Like we've had a lot of hurt. Ruiz, starting the already extended Ruiz. Yep. Right. We've had a lot of, so you start playing all the scenarios and whatnot. And um, yeah, it's just kind of, I don't, it's hard to like value. I, I don't, plus you got to think about the salary too. Like if you can, if you can control a player for seven years and you give him 30 million over those seven, if he's a really good player, right. Versus paying another guy 12 million for two months. Like it, plus you lost X amount in, in prospect capital or whatever. Like it, it takes ballsy front office and, and ballsy people to go and say, no, I, I trust this team this year. And I, I think that's what a lot of us, really respect about our front office, at least in my perspective, is that like they're going to go and and make the move to win this year because they like our team, like our players, like the kind of group that we have. And so I, I think when you go and make a trade at the deadline, a lot of people would say maybe it's an insult, like it's an insulting to the team, like you guys need more help. It's really the biggest compliment. It means that they're pushing their chips in on this group of 25 to 30 players uh, which is a really cool deal, I think. That was actually going to be my exact question: is is you know, how does that galvanize your clubhouse when when you go out and get somebody? I mean, I can imagine what a Scherzer and a Turner does, but even just good complimentary pieces does does that really kind of light a, a second wind fire for you guys, kind of down the final stretch? Yeah, I think it can. I you know I think I've always told Friedman or the front office and everybody like just go get us like grown men because there's something different about giving a guy the ball on the seventh inning when you came out of a game and this guy's in his 11th year in the big leagues. No, nothing against young players. And we've had a lot of young relievers and young players do some really, really good things in the playoffs, but there's a calm that comes with, uh, you know, he just got hurt, but like a Daniel Hudson that's been around and you know, it's not going to, freak him out and you know the younger guy may be more talented and may be better but I remember my rookie or we traded for Ryan Madsen it was like oh like that guy can go get outs in the playoffs like you know that it's assumed how good is he right now is he the same Ryan Madsen that he was three years earlier we don't know but that name is still on the back of the jersey and, and he's still been there right and I think you see a lot of times that's the last piece that organizations will add before a season, right? Huddy's left us and signed with Washington. He gets the last out the next year or the year after, whatever it was, right? Yep. Like there's a value in that and a kind of a calm that comes with that, that that I think can be really good for a team. And I think it's the same thing when you've got a guy that plays on the bench. We traded for Brian Dozier. He wasn't the exact same player that he was two years old, earlier. He hit like 40 homers. But if you're a left-handed reliever, you felt pretty good about Ryan Doge or Brian Dozier pinch hitting, right? Same with David Freeze. You just there's this thing that comes with that, and and like a pro's pro, I, I think is such a huge addition. And, and you see moves that are made that are like huge ticket, and they will help teams that go to the World Series, win the World Series. But you know, I, I'm going to go back to the 2021 Braves, where they just totally remodeled their outfield at the deadline, yep. and they did it with four different guys, and they won the World Series by getting those complimentary pieces. So, yep. you know, like y you want grown men to share a clubhouse with, and you just mentioned some awesome names there. A anybody else, big ticket or like complimentary pieces that you feel like 
almost gave the LA Dodgers as a collective that, you know, extra kick in the ass to finish the regular season really strong? Uh, I mean, you think about the four shortstops that I've played with in my career, like that's kind of a, you know, Corey Seager, Machado, Trey Turner, the guys we have now, I mean, Mookie Betts is a $300 million guy playing shortstop half the time with us. Right. So, you know, played with probably three or four of the top 15 contracts ever in baseball. Like, yeah. And two of those guys we went and traded for. And, and then you put Max Scherzer in that list and you Darby, you, you know, you're just, you're adding these like established annually, really, really good players. Um, plus then we've gone and got the complimentary piece. I mean, I don't think people, we lost in 2019, but I, I don't think people remember how good Adam, how big having Adam Kalerik was for us against Washington because nobody could get Juan Soto out. And he came in and got Soto out two or three times in that series. And like, that wasn't the Manny Machado trade and all over everything. Right. But like he wasn't in an organization. We went and got him. There was one guy that we really had to shut down to give ourselves a chance to win that series. You know, they had a really good team, but, it was like the Juan Soto show and Claire ran right through him. It was a, it, it probably got us to a certain point in that series that maybe we wouldn't have. Yeah. Last one from me. And I do want to revisit the human element. Just confirm for me. Cause I think our audience is really good at understanding the human element of baseball, but can you just confirm for me that like professional baseball players have like leases and apartments and ho- like own homes and send their kids to school like everybody else? So it's kind of a bitch yeah. when, when you get traded. Yeah, it's 100 percent. I'm I'm praying I don't ever have to go through it. But even dealing with this year, right, I'm, we just built a home in Lexington. I have my lease here that has two optional months on the end of it. Then I found a place in L.A. that I liked that I want to have next year. So in August, I will have two leases and a mortgage and I will have to extend the lease. And I like this place. So I got it a month early because we didn't want it to get gone. So like in that one in August, I'll be paying two leases and a mortgage. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't have any kids yet. And then we've got to find out, figure out how to get three dogs from Phoenix to LA, then figure out every road trip who's going to watch our three dogs because we've had my brother and sister in Phoenix. So they watch our dogs. Now my dad lives an hour and a half away. Like sometimes it's just, there's a lot of moving parts when you spend half of your days on the road on top of not living in the city that you work in. Right. There's just, a and listen, these are what we're talking about is like the most first world problem thing ever, but there's stuff like that. And then to do this, another time this season because i got traded isn't would be insane yeah so we were just talking about on the front half of this episode like some interesting player and club options that you know could be down to the wire here like some decisions that both sides may have to make and yeah a couple of the tough ones were were some that like you know players that are later stages of their career it's they could probably go get a little bit more on the open market but maybe they don't want to change a scenery I know that you can't speak for everybody, but I, I'm sure you have a decent pulse on it. How much does it factor into like, you want to make the most money possible, but if you don't want to go somewhere else, how much does that factor into your decision when you're, you know, looking at a potential player option, or at least if you try to put yourself in those shoes? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that you're, 
or the most relatable to me on that is just like with Kirsch, right? Like he's always talked about, he's probably going to play in Texas or in LA. And that makes sense because he doesn't have to, he stays in LA, he doesn't have to sell the house in LA, right? If he goes back to Texas, he's already got a house. But then you're talking about two teams there, right? And when you have only two teams, the leverage is not the same as 30 teams, right? But if you're talking all 30 teams, there's 30 different cities. You probably don't have a house there, right? So there, there's so much that goes into like that 2 million that you're going to get more from another team and the tax structure of the state and the tax structure of the other teams in your division and then the housing market and finding a house. And do you know anyone else there? And what schools will your kids go to? Do you know anyone that lives in the state, let alone the city? Right. You've got all this stuff. And so I, I think the value of staying with a team, there's a lot of, you know, inherent value in that. But, you know, guys want to go do and make make as much money as they can and, and set up another generation of their family. And um, hats off to those guys that kind of them and their families can handle all of that kind of movement. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the prototype is you play for your one team until you get to free agency you pray that you stay there or sign an extension or whatever. And if not, you go to your second team and kind of finish out your career there. And I think that's the prototype that's kind of been laid out. But now with guys getting these third, second and third contracts, that's going to change. You look at Scherzer and Verlander and these guys that, you know, talent wise and performance wise, were very much, um, you know, productive enough, you'd think they might stay with one team their whole career, but now they're playing for their third or fourth or fifth team as big boys starting pitchers for 15 years. It's kind of a, the the model has changed a little bit with guys being able to play a little bit longer. I think we found a new, a new pre- I, I'm sorry, I was just say this gives me a new appreciation for like Edwin Jackson. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> Switching 14 cities through the years, like <laughs> that guy just must have been numb to it. And a couple of them twice, right? Yeah. yeah. Are you playing Immaculate Grid? Are you doing that? I'm not, no. Okay. It's fun. I recommend. I, I also it would make me feel bad if I couldn't get them. I would like I, I think it would weigh heavier on me if I couldn't get it than it should. Fair. It's like, hey, I don't know ball, but yes, you do. It's it's one of those. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think we found a new weekly segment too. Uh housing market talk with Walker Bueller, which is gonna <laughs> be great. So in on that um you're the man uh deandre hopkins in tennessee how do we feel about it um i'm surprised it's kind of where receivers go to die but you know i'm not um i'm not mad about it. the Bengals are my team but i've always kind of watched the titans um yeah i mean i would have liked to see him in cincy we didn't need him in cincy really but we'll see how it goes down there have you thought about going with the apparel similar to burrow like have you thought about you know, the, some of the glasses that he wears, like he's, I know he's a big vest guy too. No, Bobby can, Bobby's handling that. Side <laughs> of gotcha. You only need one of those, one of those horses in the race. You know what I mean? <laughs> know what you mean. Walker Bueller, you are the man. Appreciate you. And we will talk to you next week. Yeah. Sounds good.